Hi, welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. It's your host, Mirko. And um, my pleasure to have you here. I'm looking forward for this episode, this chat uh, today with Paul Ross. So I'm looking forward to have another episode of this podcast. I believe we are episode 93, which is mind-blowing. And uh, we are slowly but surely going towards episode 100. Episode 100 will probably take a break and end the season. It's been an incredible journey. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, stick around. Saying hi to everybody. I think Paul is already in the house. We got Vag. Wow, we got the crew. Good morning. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. How you doing? Good. 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 Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah. Another another day in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You stole that from me, but no, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, I used to, I, I'm saying now that all the times. Yeah, another day in lockdown. Yeah, it's so we gotta take it with the spirit. Yeah, I think it's it's evening where you are, right? Yeah, it's six, but because of the daylight switch, uh, daylight saving or whatever it's called, uh, we it's quite. It's quite bright, so it's uh, it's not so dark. We're going towards summer, luckily. Yeah, we're. Uh, I woke up in the dark this morning for the first time. I was like, "This is this is sad." But anyway, <laughs> I think I think the dark and gloomy weather is such a great excuse to drink more coffee. That's my yeah, take. Exactly, we have to get through it somehow. Yeah, and uh, Paul, firstly, uh, thank you so much for coming. I know you're a busy man. I uh, appreciate your time and. Uh, uh, to be here today, and uh, you know, uh, you mentioned the lockdown. Uh, are you and your family and your loved ones all good at least? Yeah, everyone's um, everyone's healthy and you know getting on with it. Um, it's, it's as much as I could ask for, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a just a strange time, I think, for everyone, um, especially now. I don't know if you know too much about London. Um, but we've just gone on stage two lockdown, which means it's just been heightened again. Uh, so everyone talked about, you know, the next wave of this. And uh, so so we're back from working for home if we can and uh, not eating out with people outside of our families and things like that. But um, it's all, you know, part well, of it, I guess. If you can, if you can, you know, make you a little bit happy, um you know, without making it political, but in Melbourne, we were on lockdown since early July, but, you know, pretty much since March, but, you know, July went, went real hardcore. And, uh, you know, the last month we were having 10, 12, 3, 6, 15 cases a day, which is uh, obviously still sad. I mean, there's been obviously casualties in comparison to the, you know, tens of thousands of cases around the world. It was quite, quite... Uh, how do you put it? Um, yeah, kind of surreal that we were in a full lockdown. But I guess, look, again, happy that Melbourne made it and hopefully we'll get out of it soon. But anyway, this is not about the virus, the lockdown. Carried away. This is great. Um, Paul, let's get started. How did you start your coffee journey? Tell us more about it. Um, my coffee journey. My coffee journey started at a, well, at university. Um, I saw this guy talk. And um, I was very much into business and entrepreneurship. And um, 
he talked so passionately about his coffee company that essentially I asked him for a job. Um, and he said no initially. And then I kind of convinced him that um, he should let me work over the summer. Uh, he then put me through the first stage of um, the SEA course because he said, if you're going to work here, then you have to know at least a bit about coffee. And then um, from there, I did my studies and um, went, went off. And once I graduated, I got a part-time job at a company called Harrison Hall, um, which you may know through Baristas. Um, and uh, then I went on and trained in coffee, um, started competing, and uh, here I am. Uh, eight years later, I think it is now. Wow. And I think what I appreciate about the story the most was the um, persistence, you know. Um, I think that uh, nobody, nobody teaches you the fact that you shouldn't stop at the first no. You know, it's like, you know, initially you yeah. go up a shot, but you eventually... Uh, how was the process for you? Like, what if you said to you no a second time? Would you still be like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking work for you for free. I don't know. I, I was at the age where, um, you know, you have nothing to lose. I was, I think, 19. Um, yeah, and just, you know, it, it, the world is your oyster at that point, right? Um, whereas now, I think you have to, like, there's, there's more to it than that. I was, I was pretty bold. And would I have said yes to me? I don't know. Um, but uh, I got that opportunity. I just had to be thankful for it. And I think throughout the process, it's not so much people saying no. It's more, I've been very lucky to get a lot of good opportunities and work with some great people. And um, because after Harrison Hall, I moved to London. And then London is obviously this epicenter of great coffee. Um, and I worked with some great people here. And ultimately, I think coffee is a story of people who have given others opportunities. And uh, you just have to try and take those opportunities, right? Um, if, if and when you get them. Um, but that is also difficult in itself. But For sure. And what was your coffee love and passion before that sort of event? Like, you know, was it where you knew to coffee uh, when, like, or you were just like regular drinker at uni, sort of caffeinated? I think I had my first cup of coffee. Uh, sorry, I know, when I, I know when that internship was. It was uh, when I was 21. It was my it was first time I had a cup of coffee. Um, and uh, that sort of went from there. It was like, you know, um, I was always, in, I, I love food and drink and, you know, uh, like most people, right? But um, I think that was probably when it really sparked that, you know, difference. And I think Harrison Hall was the first place that, you know, you tried the um, washed Ethiopians that were super floral and, you know, acidic and um, the Panama uh, coffees from um, Los Lajones, um, which were which were just something like I never tried before. So all of those things put together were kind of like combined at, at the right time for me. Yeah, and, and and just for the sake of the, you know, for for the kids at the back, um, what what were you studying at uni? Uh, well, and I did you still finish business management and entrepreneurship? Well, with like a side of entrepreneurship on it. So business management. So um, we did like things like um, reading accounts and marketing and um, business stuff. I remember one one module was um, all about queuing. 
and the different styles of queuing and uh, how efficient they were and things like that. So there was some more applicable stuff these days. Um, but at the time, obviously. And did, you, and did you finish? Did you finish your curse out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, back, back. well, it was over 10 years ago now. Uh, no, no, what was it? When was it? It was like eight years ago, nine years ago now. So, yeah. It seems like a I think that it's interesting you started business and entrepreneurship because I think that, you know, uh, there's this mystical cloud on top of the word entrepreneurship and, you know, it has a certain look, it has a certain appeal and it looks usually along the lines of good-looking lads on a fast sports car and some very nice designer clothing, but it's far from that. I think that... Being a coffee professional is just uh, being as an entrepreneur as uh, being a banker or anything else. And for the sake of the exercise, any any industries really, because what you did was very entrepreneurial. You were like, after this, I'm going to ask this guy for a job. He said no. You're like, no, I'm going to ask again. And that really is the spirit. It's just a matter of a bit of improvisation, but also just keep moving forward because the one text email dm that you sent today uh, it's gonna you know you don't know where that is gonna take you in 10 12 17 weeks yeah 100 percent. i think i think it's quite funny actually that all all of us who work in coffee we work in hospitality not not necessarily coffee and you have to see the the business context of that right and so it, it is interesting that you have to um you know go after go after these opportunities and make the most of them um and it's it's tough because in coffee there's a really small hierarchy right in well from my experience anyway that it goes baristas then management then owners and there's there's few there's few big special coffee companies so the question that everyone has is you know once you've become a barista and you've done it for a few years what what do you do next do you go into management and step away from the coffee machine or do you like what what possibility is there roasting but that's also different to being a barista um it's less you know customer facing so i think the business aspect trying to make your own ways is, is very tough and it's, it's something that i've thought about a lot and i've discussed a lot um amongst the people i know in the industry because i think it's important to give people those opportunities one because i got given them and i was very thankful for that but also um longevity of the industry how's how great people for sure i think there's two points to what you said number one which is encouraging people that are listening uh, that at least even though it's smaller than other industries uh when you do send a dm or when you do reach out very rarely you're going to find a rude closed person because if they're in hospitality nine times 0.9 out of 10 they're going to be warm people and that's that's what I found in the past nine years, but even the past six months, I've been reaching out to lots of people for the podcast and I rarely, no, actually I've never received, like the worst that happened has been a no answer, which you're probably still in their request, uh, sort of, you know, like in the DMs, uh, but nothing's gonna happen. There's, nobody's gonna bite you, nobody's gonna punch you or judge you. You're doing what you gotta do, which is hustling your way through it. And the second part is, answering the shortest and hardest question, which is why. 
why coffee? Do you love people? Uh, do you want to make money? Well, then, if you want to make money, you're looking at opening, uh, you know, uh, potentially a franchise. Then, you know, then you're opening shops after shop. Uh, if you hate people, but you still want to be in coffee, then maybe roasting could, you know, could could be potentially good because then you don't have to deal with people so much. Like, like you know, this based yeah. on what your passions are. And if if you just want a job, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But obviously, I'm talking from a super privileged position, such as Melbourne, where baristas, or even in Australia, baristas are considered uh, professionals, and we can quite well leave. So I think finding that sub passion underneath coffee, I think, is essential because then there's no right or wrong because you can become anything. But then once you understand what you love, yeah, I think I don't know things will come. I think you hit on something super important. It's like why? Why does? It's true in any job. Why does someone? Why is someone there? Right. Why are they? Why are they there? It might be someone to support their family. It might be because they love what they're doing. It might be to get them through school. You know, it might be anything in the world. And I think one of my best experiences in coffee was when everyone had a similar goal but like different objectives. So like their their day to day goal was like you know have a good time, deliver great coffee, and you know um, you know have have fun doing it. Whereas everyone had different objectives. And at that time, it was a shop in London. And we've all gone on to do different things, very different things. And yet, we all have this one similarity that we had a great time um, and had that opportunity. But I think it's because we all understood each other. We were all very different, but we all understood like, what we wanted out of the process. And as long as you allow people that, that margin to do that, then... Um, that's all about understanding, right, of, of what people want to get out of the process. Because not everyone does, not everyone does want to compete, who, who wants to, you know, some people just want to get home at five o'clock and hang out with their family, which is cool, um, you know, each to their own. Absolutely. And, and I, think, I think in terms of longevity, as you were saying, I think it's a super relevant and beautiful word because I think longevity really... Yeah, we should attach longevity to sustainability more because sustainability is all about longevity as well, right? To make sure that we're here for as long as possible. Um, or at least, you know, the, the humans. Um, I think that probably I'm going to go three steps back on what you said. I think the biggest obstacle at the moment, the hurdle that many people face and I feel for everyone is the uh, the family, the a culture, the society aspect of it where, you know, they might be judged or they might be receiving a strong, uh, you know, uh, disappointing sort of looks and look down at and like, oh, coffee, come on, like, when are you going to get a real job? And I think that's the biggest hurdle that we sort of, if we look at longevity, we need to have more and more conversations publicly about the fact that you can have a just as good life as a coffee person, coffee businessman, coffee person, and family, and a rental or a small property because it's been done. Well, it, it, it sort of reminds me of something I got told at university. So we all went to university after school, and we were sitting in the lecture theatre, and the teacher puts up a slide said, 50% of people in this room, I think it was 50% of people in this room will have 
a job in three years time that doesn't exist now. And so you think about it now is like, you're aiming for a job that doesn't exist. You're studying for a job that doesn't already exist. And um, the, well, I mean, I never thought I'd work in coffee for, for instance, but um, you know, think of the jobs that exist now, like YouTube streamer, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, In-game advertising, I was looking at the other day, was like, it was mad. All these things that existed, well, didn't exist five years ago, now become a thing. And I think that's difficult from a, well, I mean, I'm talking from my family position anyway, um, is we were very, um, the, the, like traditional job roles were, you know, the, the thought plan. A lot of my friends have gone off and worked in the city and, you know, um, wear suits to work and uh, work for the government or, or whatever it may be. Um, but coffee isn't that traditional job. And I think it took a, it took a long time for, for people to understand that. Uh, but ultimately, it's happened. And, you know, um, it, it's competition is a big part of that and um, in the industry uh, because it had that exposure that um, maybe coffee shops don't get as much. Uh, but I think it's all part of an education process. And I, I think uh, a real a real pinch point for me was when one of my parents texted me saying, I preferred the uh, Kenyan coffee to the Ethiopian. And I was like, oh, we got, we got through eventually. Um, <laughs> leaving bags on the side and it has worked out. But, um, you know, you can't also, you, on the flip side of that, you can't be too pushy. You can't um, push back too much. You have to be quietly confident in what you're doing. And... Um, that's not always easy either. Absolutely. And, and look, I was, I have been super lucky because I grew up in a smaller town, kind of, kind of village vibe, but um, in summer in the village and the small town in winter, because that was school was. And I was being always lucky with my parents because my mom, despite being in education herself, she's a, a teacher and she's one of those her people who love to study, just like, you know, that, that's our passion. That's fantastic. You know, it's history, philosophy, Italian literature. You know, like it's, you know, big books, big library in the house. When I told her I didn't want to go to uni, look, I'm sure I killed it a little bit inside, like for sure. But what my parents have always been good with me is that the, ultimately the last question after sharing their opinion has always been, are you happy? Um, that's all they care. And I think that's super relevant. When I told them, hey, I'm going to stay in Australia, they did not expect that I would have stayed nine years and I would have done what I have done. But they always ask, are you okay? And as long as I'm okay, they're happy. So I think I'm super privileged from that regards. And also, you're right, like on our educational system, it's, it's difficult to understand like certain professions like you mentioned. Uh, I mean, geez, there's 13-year-old kids making millions of dollars playing uh, video games and and adults tend to demonize that. And I'm like, well, you know, he, you know, here you are with your XYZ job, which is all good, I respect everybody. I'm making 60, 80, 100, and here is the kid playing video games, making two million in six months. Um, and it's difficult because we don't, if you don't comprehend something, then you fear it, and you go defensive, and then you go against it, um, which I think, which is fair. Like, I can't, you know, I can't judge parents for saying not to play too much video games. Uh, but at the same time, 
it's not wrong playing the video games. So, yeah, I love where you went there too. I mean, it's all about the timing as well. Where you know, if you were born three years earlier, maybe your career would have been different. Or three years after, maybe you would have been doing again a different thing. Yeah. And how did you go about competing? Was that for you a natural move, or was it what was the clicking motivator factor? Um, the thing for me was. At the first job at Harrison Hall, there was a great trainer there and um, there was a great internal competition um, that was coming up. And so I just threw myself into it. And um, luckily I had the time and had the ability and um, they funded everything um, internally. And from then they went on to whoever won that. They sponsored in the national championships. So I competed in that. And then it just it just spiraled from there, and then that's when I moved to London. And uh, I don't know if you know, I met Will Pitts, and I think Dan Fellows has been on here. Um, they're great guys. I've learned a lot from them and the people around us at that time. And it just it just went from one to the other. And um, I travelled. Well, we're we're very lucky in Europe that travel quite So I think I went. I, I volunteered in Gothenburg. Um, I got the cheapest <laughs> flight out of there um, and volunteered. Um, and yeah, since then, it's, it's always been a part of my life. Basically. And how good is it? Like, like, honestly, I was smiling when you mentioned Dan Fellows because met him once on a live stream on Instagram, but now, I don't know, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful human connection just because you know, the, the three of us in this case, or the hundreds of us uh, share and connect thanks to the love of coffee. Like, I, I don't, I really struggle to see, you know, an industry that's so uh, tied together when it comes to even this. Like, how good is it? Like, you just said, hey, then fellas, we, we was here. I was like, yeah, it was actually. <laughs> um, and anyway, that's, that's, that's beautiful. And um, just for people who are really listening to this, um, young, older, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, being, being, in, being a barista is not easy, but I think a lot of people, you know, eventually get around it. Uh, but I think competition, we sort of go next level as far as not yeah. really being a stroll in the park. Uh, what's your suggestions? What's your two cents to give uh, to the people at the back? Uh, if you are, If someone's thinking to start Ting. Hang on, you froze for a second. Here you are. I think I got you back. Thinking to start about competing. Yeah. Sorry, did you say thinking about competing? Okay, yeah, sorry. I, I, you were spinning. Now you're back, so that's good. We're good. Uh, yeah, so what would you say? What's your two cents for people who are about or thinking or want to start competing? And... Uh, What's your reality check on I that? I would say competing is a big step. It's, it, it's, a, it's a lot of time. It has a money implication and um, it's difficult. It's, it's not certain. Um, so it's a, it's a big decision, firstly. Um, the way I would make that decision is ask why, why do you want to compete? I think for me now, looking back, I'd only ever compete if I had something to say or, or 
wanted to show. Uh, so, and it's taken me probably four years to really understand that um, of competing. Um, the first couple of years, I was probably just myself into it and, you know, hoping for the best. Whereas, whereas now I feel like there's, uh, there is a, a goal at the end of it beyond uh, just where you, where you come, um, essentially. Um, this year, I've worked with fantastic coffee from uh, Mauricio Chatar, um, a triple staggered aerobic <laughs> geisha, or geisha, sorry. Um, it was it was incredible coffee, and I really wanted to showcase that. And it got me, well, I was super interested in instant coffee just as a process and like the scientific element behind it. So um, we actually made it into instant, um, for example. So the point that, going back to the question, um, it all goes to why do you want to compete? What do you want to do with that? Um, and there are, there are a lot of pros of competing. Some of the best people I've met in the industry through competition. Um, I was very, very lucky last year as well. I think is, is De Dale's been on here as well, right? So, yeah, so Dale, yeah. I, I reached out to Dale and Pete and they, they gave me some tips for the world as well. Um, like you said, no one, no one has ever said anything bad in response to a reach out. Um, and they gave me some tips and um, so you meet great people you can potentially have a great time it's, it's, it's very highly stressful um, but at the same time it comes with some great rewards I don't think I'd have necessarily the position um, that I have now without competition um, so that's another thing but then as I said the flip side of that is the time invested it's hundreds of hours hours every year um it's either you have to self-fund someone who's willing to fund um and ultimately things could go wrong that are out of your control um so so as long as you're prepared for that am i frozen again i can hear you but you're beautifully stopped and frozen time which is uh oh here we go Uh, so it's it's a risk, right? But uh, it's a risk that's sort of paid off for me. Um, so I have I can only talk from a position that it has taken a toll <laughs> in terms of you know time. Um, just mental capacity is is huge. It's very difficult, um, but it has been great too. So you know, I I wouldn't change it, but um, I know it's difficult. Well, um, we actually got a big question for uh, Vag, which I'm sure you know. Um, and uh, before we read the question, though, I'll just ask you, we got, we're at the halfway mark, and uh, I always ask this question to the guests, the out-of-the-box question. Um, if you could, Paul, who would you like to have dinner with? Um, in, in coffee or in the world? Alive, not alive, future, past, present, anybody. Interesting. Um, do you know what? I, I, I 
So they'd had, they had be a run, runner in there. So Kipchoge uh, just went for the, the breaking two record. Um, he, he's up there. Um, so one of my school friends just mentioned one of our teachers. Um, uh, who else would I have? Um, probably someone in the probably someone in the world. Was, uh, oh, who would I have? Uh, Jonathan Ive from Apple. The he's like the head designer there, um, and uh, I think he's one of the people that I, that I really you know look up to in the world. Um, probably someone for the world of business. Um, who would I look for in the world of business? That's a difficult one, actually. Um, there, there's a lot. Well, in the world of business, there's a lot of great people and there's a lot of dubious people. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that one. Um, but those two are the people. That, and then I think in coffee, there's some people. There's some. Do you know what? Some awesome people doing some great things. Um, I've been fortunate to meet. Well, a lot of them along the way, but um, someone like I don't know, um, do you know, Caleb Freezer for the Finnish champion who moved to San Francisco. Uh, it sounds familiar behind Sudden Coffee. Gotcha. Um, I met him briefly once, but uh, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to pick his mind one day um, about his journey. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things that um, world champions and, you know, national champions get a lot of coverage. I, I, wrongly or rightly, I feel like, you know, a bit, a bit of their story. And so I always want to know a bit more. Um, of course. Because we, we see the coffee side, whereas I, I feel like there's a lot more going going on um and as and the more i learn about coffee the more i want to know the reasons behind decisions and um i think someone who taught me that is um a guy called andrew tolly um who i now i know him better he he, he um was one of the founders of taylor's Roosters. and uh there's when i started there was a lot of decisions that i didn't really understand but now, having talked them through with him, I understand so much more, and it makes so much more sense. And um, very intelligent man. Well, that, that's quite a list. Uh, definitely, uh, a few interesting people out there. And uh, yeah, look, it's always a difficult question, but I love asking it. <laughs> I love seeing people's yeah. responses. And going back to Vag, um, what are some of the biggest lessons they you I think it's that you have learned through competing. Um, the b- biggest lesson I is um, like burnout is real. Um, burnout happens. Um, it is not a nice place to be. Um, it's exhausting. It's tiring. It's it's hard for the people around you. It's hard for yourself, and um, is look after yourself. You know, um, and this applies to being a barista too. It's hard being a barista. It's hiring. It, sometimes, you know, the wrong customer walks in and um, ruins your day. But 
the one good thing about this is you realize that 99% of people are good. It's the one person that walks in a day that's bad that ruins it. So look after yourself. Um, you know, um, my, my escape in that was um, basically I was overtraining. I was training. The more hours we tried to train, basically the worse we got. And so now what I do is limit my training uh, to a couple of hours after work, but more often. Um, and then I'll go running. And I don't listen to music. I just think about the day and then next day do something different. Um, and so I think my biggest lesson is burnout is real. Um, look after yourselves. Um, some people go running. Some people do yoga. Some people, you know, read a book. Um, whatever it may be, do your thing. Uh, have a glass of wine with your friends. Whatever, whatever is your option in life, um, balance that off by balance that off with competing because competing comes and goes. But your life will always will always impact if you if you let it take over. <laughs> Real talk, um, like that's beautifully said. Thank you. I think, uh, yeah, I think we'll touch base on that in a minute after Maureen questions. I think, yeah, burnout and mental health are real, I think, and they're not quite talked about uh, enough. Um, yeah, no, thanks for sharing, Paul. And uh, Maureen is asking, what does it take for a barista to be part of competitions? And I jump in just to sort of give the sure answer, and I want to see if you agree or not. I think often it comes to just doing it. Um, who cares about placement? Because doing it and knowing the rules and knowing what's happening and being it, that's a, it's like playing a game. You can read instructions as many times as you want and practice, but until you start playing that game, uh, you just don't know it. So that's my two cents but. Back to you, Paul. I, I think you're right. Um, it's, it's, it's easy said than done, right? Um, so one of the things we did this year, one of the things we did this year was kind of like um, open up our competition boxes and say to any of our baristas, anyone who wants to compete, like here, here are the tools. Um, it, but it's difficult. You're right. Um, you just have to do it. It's like it's like learning anything, though. It's like um, Going back to running, it's like running. You have to go running to get better. And the only way is to go running more. And that's ultimately it, really. Like, you can you do a bit of stretching, you can buy new shoes, but really, you just have to go running, um, basically. Uh, and that's yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. And I think on a more, I suppose, holistic level, I think self-esteem and don't be too hard on yourself comes into place because... Guess what, Maureen? You'll never be perfect. We, we, none of us will ever be perfect or reach a stage where, yes, now I can compete. I think you just got to go with it and, you know, you'll be extremely surprised. Um, and, yeah, uh, like you said, it's like with push-ups, right? It's like you can read about how, you know, the form and starting from wall push-ups and you, you, can, you can read, you can watch, you can learn until you start doing the push-ups, you know, and uh, that's the same with running, which, funnily enough, entangles quite well with a question that I have, you know. If you didn't have running, would you have the mental strength that you have during competitions or during a shift? Because, let's be honest, running 
from my understanding and from my bit of running, because I'm not kind of runner, because I'm already super skinny and um, you know I'm trying to, to not lose any more weight. But um, eventually, I want to run in the mountains when I'm back home. But anyway, that's between you and I. I want to do yeah. mountain running, which is super hard. But anyway, um, now I'm rumbling. Um, where I was going? From my understanding, running is often more about the mind than the actual body. Sure, the body is important because if you, you know, if you, yeah, fuck, no shit. But how important is the mental component of running alongside with competitions and also being a barista? I think the, the way I view running is that at the end of the day, working day, um, especially at competition, there's a thousand things going through your head, right? Whether you should dial in differently or, you know, there's the wrong coffee or, you know, this bit of equipment arrived. And then when you go running, it just narrows it down. And by I come, my aim at the end of running is to have like two concepts, two ideas that is what you action the next day. It, it kind of like filters down what is important. And ultimately, <laughs> you're trying to remember to breathe and things like that rather than what cup is more white than the other cup, you know, like, or more round or, or whatever. It just, those things really don't, like, very end. Whereas, conceptually, that's what matters. That's what matters at the start. And so, for me, running was that um, escape initially, um, but it became more a part of my life. Whereas I met, I met people through coffee who ran, and then we now run a lot together. Um, so, actually, it was, it was at the World Championships with Dan. Um, it's a bit of a funny story, but I got stuck in um, Portugal for a bit. So, basically, I was late to the World Championships, and Dan had to take all of his bags to, with him, himself. And when I arrived, um, team care. So, Frida was there as the cup-tasting champion, and her, her coach at the time, Ryan, um, was there too and I had never met Ryan before and we got chatting about running and um, now we run together and this was two years ago now at the world championship and now we run together a couple of times a week three times a week um, and he's he's, he's an entrepreneur and um, a good friend of ours and yeah he's it's it's amazing what happens when you when you share that passion you know yeah yeah and uh I think another great, you know, barista champion. We got Miko Jassin, who loves his uh, push biking and as well as uh, running. So yeah, there's there's a few there's a few of you guys out there, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's super interesting. But in connection to running as well as uh, competing, uh, kind of merging the two with Maureen's question, um, I'm currently reading a book, which people are probably sick of hearing the title because. I've said a few times that I'm a slow reader, so <laughs> tough luck. Uh, it's called The Outliers, and basically they've done a science. Well, the book is not just about that, but a fraction of the book was describing how in order to excel on top of when, where, and how you were born, you know, your background, your environment, was it the right year, the right season? There's so much science behind the psychology. But one of the key components is that Often in times, the people, the elites in each industries have done a certain practice for over 10,000 hours. Uh, yeah. the, for instance, a famous example was Bill Gates was, 
lucky enough to be in the right school where uh, they had a strong connection with uh, this like center where they had this like supercomputer, one of the very first ones. And they were actually looking for students to sort of have a play around with it. So he had an immediate access right next home, which if he was born in another state, he wouldn't have had that. So he had thousands and thousands of hours at disposal to play on that uh, super, well, at the time it wasn't much of a computer. I mean, it was a computer, but not like we have them now. Uh, and it's interesting. So it's saying we're running, like you said before. I think it, it fit perfectly. You can only run longer if you keep running <laughs> and you punch yeah. in the hours. I'm aware, like I've read about the 10,000 hour concept. And I think, I mean, it's different for everyone, right? And um, I think we spoke about before, we're super privileged to be in the positions we are. Um, and there is an element of right place, right time. Um, and that is an element of it. Um, it's it's a roll, of, I think it's roll of the dice sometimes. Um, but ultimately, you know, the people like... Um, Dan, Will, or the Dale, the, the champions that have come from the UK, I've witnessed firsthand that they've put the hours in. Um, and these are hard, hard hours. You know, like at 11 o'clock at night when the shop's closed and you're locking up and you're like, what have, I, what have we achieved today? What have I done? Um, and it's incredible. It's incredible because ultimately the, you have to have the head strength to believe that you can do it the whole time despite not ever achieving it until the very end um which is which is incredible really um and, oh, yeah. and i think that's the hard, is that self on, right? and it's the thing i see most in coffee or or, or baristas is um people and i, I guess this is true in life too but um people lack the self-belief to, to to put this out there and i was just lucky enough to have that self-belief at the start um for, for whatever reason i don't know why but it just happened well uh you know give yourself credit i mean obviously there's a a zillion reasons as in you know the way you were brought up and you know that that one time that's cool xyz happened and you know that all the elements that formed the person that, that you are and we all are um, but yeah, I think um, I think I think that the self belief and having the confidence and the sort of self esteem is such a an incredibly uh, intense crisis that we're living in the past five, six, seven years. And I don't want to point finger at social media. I don't want to point fingers at anything in particular because I think that things get demonized quite easily when they actually, you know, they're not. But I don't know what quite what it is, um, and it's quite a big topic, and probably for some anthropologist with some with a few master degrees beyond the walls and not just a couple of coffee tools. Um, but it's interesting, and, um, and I think maybe this is a place where we can give a voice to people like yourself and inspire uh, the people who maybe, uh, you know, putting a little bit of a break uh, onto their cars when it comes to go for it. Uh, yeah, complex. Mm. But yeah, it's I think... Complex. It's super complex, and I, I, don't, 
I don't claim to have the answers. It's just, um, it's just funny looking back, you know, and, uh, and, and now working with a lot of baristas, you uh, see, see similarities and, and differences equally um, between everyone and, you know, why they do it, right? Yeah, and I, and I think in coffee in particular, I think probably a strong answer goes down there and down to that concept of what, you know, how it's considered being a barista. But then again, there's no right or wrong, there's no good or bad in the sense of then, you know, okay, the job as a lawyer has been seen as, yeah, it's good, but then there is so much things that are not going right even in that industry, you know, talking about burnouts or certain other elements. I mean, uh, then what is it, you know? So yeah, it's super complex and very fascinating. I mean, I'd love to, I could talk about this stuff all day uh, and hear what people got to say because I love hearing different opinions for sure. Uh, going back on the burnout elements, um, if you, obviously if you're happy to share because this is, this is quite personal. When did you realize shit across the line? But also, when, when did you actually, you know, like realize it and you start, okay, I need to slow down? Like, because it's difficult because, you know, it's two steps, isn't it? Or three to recovery. I think, I think I've been very lucky to have very good people around me um, mm. throughout my career. I think that. It is, I'm very lucky to have people around me for a long time as well. So they understood how I worked and what I, and what I did and how I like went about doing things. Um, so in 2017, um, I was the Coffee and Good Spirits champion and I placed eighth at the Worlds. Um, that was the closest I came to it really is because we were making cocktails before work doing a 10-hour shift at a London coffee shop and then making cocktails afterwards for about four months. And it really, like, I just wasn't eating properly. I, I, I wouldn't say it's burnout because, you know, people experience a lot worse. Um, but I was just tired. I was tired of everything. Um, the people, like, the baristas around me um, were just, like, miserable <laughs> to work with. Um, we, we laugh about it, like, now. Um, because they were just like unbearable to like work next to, um, so I apologise to them. Um, but I think, and then um, there was uh, a guy I work with now, Josh Tullo, um, who is our head of coffee. Um, he he said to me a couple of years ago, he was like, "I'm not staying after work for like four, four hours." He's like, "I'll give you two hours. That's it." And then let's go home. And it it worked. I mean, he's um, a lot more like his approach is a lot more relaxed anyway. Um, not relaxed in a bad way. He's very professional, but very relaxed. And it's very when he eats, it's very like soothing, and you know, um, it flows really well. And so we have different styles, but the one thing we agree on is is burnout, and you know, um, we. Burnout's more for other other people go through it as well. Um, you know, people lose weight and uh, you know uh, don't go out and and so so my biggest lesson is not so much that I've experienced the heights of burnout, but I can see its possibility 
And, you know, when you start teaching on that edge, um, you just have to, you just have to recognize that and, you know, eat properly and, you know, do everything properly. Um, and yeah. later on. So, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not claiming to, um, to have gone that far, but I can see its possibilities ultimately. Well, th thank you for sharing. Uh, it's very private, but I think it's it's super relevant and super valuable to hear it firsthand because, you know, uh, the acknowledgement and the, yeah, I'm going too far. I mean, you still, you still went through it. You just obviously, like you said, you were surrounded by beautiful people, which I think it's super relevant. Uh, but, you know, also you had the mental strength maybe from the running to sort of do uh, that. And look, yeah, you know, we... We're not here to preach, uh, you know, do this or do that. But I think it's important to realize that that is something that can happen in any industries. And um, it's okay. I think accepting it, it's still okay. Like, I don't think that if people are in that position right now, I think it's super cool. Like, it's just like it happens and it's very natural. You shouldn't feel any way that you, you know, feel what you got to feel. And then eventually, you know, with help from people or uh, like you said, taking a step back or slow down. You know, one of, uh, one of the YouTubers that I sort of watched when I got time, Matt Vella, he just started um, a new concept which is called uh, Slow Growth. Uh, so because he was into building new habits, so for all 2019 he did 12 different habits for 30 day challenges. So a cold shower for 30 days or uh, meditation for 30 days for an hour and amazing filmmaker too so his videos are really good and then he realized that you know we all want to run run fast 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 but it's actually the slow growth that actually gets you there at the end the classic you know hair and the turtle um which is funny you know like we get we get those stories told as kids and they turn out to be quite relevant in our <laughs> adulthood so it's quite it's quite it's quite fascinating, actually. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing. I think it's super, super, super interesting. And uh, you can all sprint for three months. Competition is a marathon. Paul Ross, best advice I've been in my competition time. So there you go. I said, I said this to Vag um, this, this year in competition. Obviously, it was, it was slightly strange because I was competing as the champion to defend my title. And uh, Vag was also competing. And... and uh, he and this is what I said to him. I was like, "You can't, you can't go 100 miles an hour constantly. It just, it just doesn't work." And so, yeah, it's that slow growth, right? Of if you chip yeah. away at these, then then it will work out. Yeah, and I think those days that you don't want to show up, and those days that are a bit harder and darker, and you want to only do one push up. Well, it's just you know, I think it's better doing one push up a day at the end of the year. It's 365 than doing 365 in two days. And then you got to literally be in bed for three days straight or a week because you fucked up your body. Like, like you know, I mean, between one and 365, there's different numbers, but for, for the sake of the, for the exercise here. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, spring marathon, I love it. I think it's, I've used the marathon even though I'm not a runner often talking about marathon. So yeah, I love it. And look, uh, we really dive deep, and uh, I didn't realize we got like about eight minutes left, and you got about to start your day. I'm about to, yeah. you know, finish. Uh, so I kind of want to leave you with a small, a bigger last question. I hope we got enough time. Um, 
we covered a lot and thank you. Super grateful for your time. Thank you for being here, for what you said, what you shared. I think it was just super cool. And hopefully one day we get to meet you back to share a cup of coffee in London or Melbourne or wherever. So um, hopefully we get to share that coffee with Vag and yourself. And ultimately, what's your coffee mission? And if we got enough time, what's next uh, in your world? Coffee mission. Um, coffee mission. That's a difficult one. I think, I think my like sort of mantra, as it were, is to like improve a bit every day. That slow growth is that improve every day. And how can we improve um, most? So like where where are the real gains in the coffee world? Um, there's a lot of areas to battle, but we also have to you know pick up pick our fights. Um, I think, so I think the thing is how can we improve our businesses to be more hospitable? How can we make our coffee programs better? Um, on the on the coffee side, there's a lot more knowledgeable people than me on the you know the green and producer side um and i don't claim to know who everything there whereas what i just sort of you know front of house is it's how to brew coffee it's that's the things i can change very quickly i think in terms of that is how having been a barista and worked behind the bar for basically six years how can i um help help that side of the business and help as many people as possible. One of the things we've just done is, uh, this might be unique, I'm not sure, but we have a uh, London living wage. So there's a national government. If you employ someone, you have to pay that. But then London living wage has worked out what costs above that to live in London. Uh, we just put that into our business, um, which everyone earns London living wage um which which seems strange but they can afford to live in london right um but that's one thing um and what's next so the world championships is probably next in um in athens now unfortunately i didn't get to um go to melbourne twice <laughs> uh out next month uh, was the plan um, so that Tell that's me. my scrap but one of the um, things I've been doing this year is as national champion, what I wanted to give back was give everyone a, a, a taste of what it took to have a competition style coffee. So I've been freezing um, the 50 coffees of the year. And at the end of the year, plan was to do a cupping of the best coffees of the year that everyone can. Um, but that's been put on hold slightly. Um, in fact, I just got just got three coffees from, from Australia. Um, one from Sub Zero, a couple from, um, but um, uh, Lewis brought them back for. Um, what else is next? Um, just trying to get through this as well. I want to. I want to promote sort of my philosophy now is more like promoting hospitality and and there are especially during this lockdown there are great businesses out there um that are doing great things um that i think should be shouted at more like shouted about more not shouted at don't, 
no shout at them. Uh, shout about them. Uh, there's a small coffee shoe yesterday called Paradox. As they like, they have a, like this small container in a in a market, and it's absolutely fantastic. Places like that that are real heroes of London that don't get the coverage they necessarily deserve, but they're excellent. And so I think we all, well, all the, the you know people in competition, especially, um, have have this platform to to shout about great coffee businesses, and, um, especially ones that you know haven't had a great time this year, um, and that's where. I can make most impact, um, especially now. There, there's big world problems, of, um, but my impact, is, uh, oh, well, my, the greatest impact that I can make right now is 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 shouting out like people like those who 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 do such a good job in in hospitality and and um, have worked so hard to achieve what they have uh, this year. It's been a real struggle, but uh, they're showing real strength by getting through. So. That's my that's my great omission, uh, I guess, in in this time is share great coffee and um, support great people, and hopefully that pays dividends in the long run for everyone. Hundred percent, I think very noble, and I loved hearing that. Uh, thank you, Paul. I think uh, I'm sure you will see more from you about you, of you, and look, giving back to people uh, in the people business that we are because that's that's what we are we're not in the coffee business we're not we're in the people business first and i like the fact that we you covered that just then and uh, maybe we can have a second version of this in our second season i decided to have season one at 100 episodes so that's the goal so um i absolutely love that commitment to like creation it's uh it's amazing fantastic <laughs> Well, I think uh, for episode 100, we're going to have something that people have been asking and trying to get. So uh, we, we we can comfortably say that we're going to do something on the episode 100, then we'll probably do a little pause, and then we're going to start season two. But yeah, hopefully on season two, you you come back and we'll, we'll hear more about you, and we can have a little more interactive session at the cafe. But I believe that we've got 30 seconds left, so sorry, I will... Love and Livia, have an amazing day. And thank you again, brother, for sharing all you shared. Oh. Appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, there you have it, guys. Episode 93 with Paul Ross. Amazing lad. A runner. An entrepreneur. Student of life. And a coffee professional. World champion. And... An amazing, amazing experience to just see his side of things, learn about more about him, but also his struggles, his wins, and all the insights that he is able to share with us. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate each and one of you. I think because the connection was bad, um, not many people could get in, but that's okay. This will be recorded. If you're new, welcome. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you. This is going to be recorded on our podcast, IGTV, YouTube. So go and check them out. If you've got Spotify, Apple, uh, whatever it's called, uh, the Tunes podcast, Google, Chrome, Cast, and we're pretty much on every podcast platform. So if you just discovered us, um, go and check it out. It's a good probably way, if you enjoyed it, to catch up with previous episodes. 
um, feel free to take a screenshot or reshare our IGTV of these episodes or episodes that you liked. And uh, I would love to, you know, obviously keep this coming and growing. Like I said, we're approaching the end of season one and uh, I want to say just a big thank you for who's still in the house. Uh, from Man Vag, Tanti, Stephanie, Maureen, Lily, and we got Lower Boy, uh, Fatsa, and uh, Sonny Garzon. Uh, thank you all for being here. Appreciate you all. Have a good morning if you're on the other side of the world. Have a good evening. Have a good afternoon. Good night. And uh, stay safe. I love you all. I will see you soon.